Our reading is from Romans 15, starting at verse 1 and ending with our verse for the year at verse 13. Romans 15. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbours for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, I will sing the praises of your name. Again it says, Rejoice you Gentiles with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hello, thank you so much indeed for reading for us this morning. It's great to be with you. Uh, please do uh, keep your Bibles open. It'd be great help to me uh, if you are able uh, to follow along. It'll be very easy. We'll be just looking at one verse, but uh, uh, let me pray before we start. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much uh, for your goodness uh, toward us. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, you would help me as I speak this morning. Help me uh, to speak uh, clearly. Father, help uh, help us to listen well. And I do pray that by your Spirit you would be at work in all of our hearts. Uh, my prayer is this morning that our hearts would be warmed. That uh, you might, uh, in your mercy and goodness, uh, incline our hearts toward you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're going to look at uh, just one verse uh, today. I know we had uh, the half of 15 read, but uh, it's our verse for the year. Uh, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul says here that, uh, uh, that we might overflow, overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you see, Christianity is not an abstract set of ideas. Uh, It's not a philosophy to be worked out. Uh, Christianity is a living relationship. And it's a living relationship with God. And unlike any earthly or human relationship, uh, this relationship with the one true God has the ability to reach into the deepest recesses of our hearts. 
and the power to lift us to the highest of highs. Now what does that look like? I want us to hear what this meant for the 19th century preacher uh, Dwight Moody. Uh, You can tell by the picture that he probably wasn't one to be uh, moved by smoke machines, electric guitars and synthesizers. Uh, But he wrote once about the time he met with God and the way in which it moved him. Now listen, I was crying all the time that God would fill me with his spirit. Well, one day in the city of New York, oh, what a day. I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. It's almost too sacred an experience to name. I can only say that God revealed himself to me and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. I would not now be placed back where I was before that blessed experience if you should give me the whole world. Such an experience of God's love that I had to ask him to stay his hand and by the spirit he tasted and experienced that moment of God's presence with him an experience of God's love that was so great that he had to ask God to stay his hand so overwhelmed was Moody by God well that meeting for Moody was more valuable than the whole world now This isn't something that's uh, just for some Christians or the super spiritual Christians or Christians who worship in a particular way. But Paul is telling us that this is something for all Christians. That by the power of the Holy Spirit that we would know in a palpable and experiential way the love of God. Just imagine what our Christian lives would be like individually and collectively if we knew the love of God that tangibly in our own lives wouldn't that be amazing wouldn't that be amazing for our hearts and our eyes to be set on Christ not on one another but to be set on Christ now Paul tells us that for our hearts to overflow we need two things We need our hearts to be captured by the hope that we have in God and to know the power of the Spirit's work in us. And we're going to look at those two things this morning as we go back to our verse for the year. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul's telling us that uh, the one true living God is the one from whom hope comes. Paul describes him as the God of hope, that this God, the God that we worship, the one true living God, is the ground of all hope. Now, what does the Bible mean when it speaks of hope? We'll come back to that. The everyday use of the word hope in our societies, it's quite a thin and a small word, isn't it? It's taken to mean some kind of vague wish or longing. You know, I hope the teacher sets some easy homework today. Yeah? Or I hope this sermon doesn't go on for too long. (laughs) But when the Bible speaks of hope, it's not speaking of some vague wish 
No, when the Bible speaks of hope, it's speaking of the certain realisation of something that's been promised that as yet has not been received. Okay, The certain realisation of something that's been promised but has not yet been received. What do I mean? Now we can go. Imagine it's your birthday. Yeah. And you come in from school or from work and there you find in the hallway this. Yeah. Or it might have been a motorbike. Yeah. And your parents tell you that they have bought a present for you for your birthday. It's wrapped up beautifully. Uh, it's the bike that you have been longing for. And that in the morning, on your birthday, the present will be yours. The present's in the house. The present's been paid for. The present's got your name written all over it. It will most certainly be yours. And that's the image of biblical hope. That of certainty. And Paul tells us that the God that we worship, the God of hope, is the one that we can trust in. He's the one of all hope because he is the one who is over and above all things. That there is nothing higher, that there is nothing greater than God. So when God says that he will do something, we can be absolutely certain that he will do what he said. That 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 which God has promised, he will deliver. He is the God of hope. And there is something that's promised, isn't there? Uh, In addition to the certainty, Christian hope has content. It has substance. It has the gospel. That even though we deserve nothing less because of our rebellion, to be cast away from God forever, he doesn't give us what we deserve. Rather, he rescues us from the judgment we deserve And he makes us children. His children. Can I just invite you now for a moment uh, to think about the peril that we were in. Uh, Facing the judgment of God. a, A penalty that we could never pay. Even if we were to work at it through all eternity. And because of our rebellion against God, facing being cast away from him forever to a place that the Bible calls hell. And think about that. And as I explain what God has done, that perhaps really familiar ground to many of us. Can you please think about this as it applies to you? Individually and personally. Not as a concept, but as a truth. With you as the one for whom God has worked his plan of salvation, his rescue. I want you to see this as being for you. I want you to see and I want you to feel the force of God's love for you. You see, 
while we were mired in our addictions and our rebellion and our brokenness and our selfishness, God sent his son, his one and only son. And his son came willingly. He put down his crown and he clothed himself in humanity. The one who was infinite became finite. The one who was the renown of all of heaven came to a backwater in Israel. Not to a palace, but to a stable. And so the Son of God came and he lived the life that we should have lived. He loved God with all of his heart, all of his mind, all of his soul and all of his strength. And he loved his neighbour as himself. He lived perfectly. But he also came to pay the price of our rebellion. He came to die. You see, Jesus, he lived the perfect life. Never did anything wrong. And his friends said that they'd stand by him always. They'd never leave him. But he experienced a kangaroo court. He was spat upon. They stuck a crown of thorns on his head. They beat him. They whipped him with barbed whips, which pulled the flesh from his back. And then they stripped him. Can you imagine how that must have felt? Then they laid the cross down and they put his bleeding body on the cross. They stretched out one of his hands. And they drove it in there. They stretched his other hand. They drove in another nail. Can you imagine the pain and the agony? He stretched out his feet. And they drove in another nail. cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, God gave us his heart in his son. And we stuck a spear in it. Darkness descended and all of our judgment fell on him. It all came on him. That's love. For you and for me. See, God pays the price of our rebellion as the Son of God dies in our place. But, but because God raised him from the dead on the third day, we can know for certain that our rebellion has been paid for. That God's love for you and me is so deep that we, you and me, 
We can live face to face with him through all eternity. And we can have that relationship with him now as his children. But we need to trust in him. I wonder, have you done that? The hope that we have, the certainty that we have is that content. The hope that we have is that God loves us. That God has paid the price of our rebellion. And because he's paid the price of our rebellion, we have peace. We have peace with God. And because Christ was raised on the third day, we have the joy of knowing that we, if we trust in Christ, that we will be accepted. All of Christ's righteousness is ours. God will look upon us as we stand in Christ and he will see the perfection of Christ. What a joy. What an incredible privilege that's ours. And that's the hope of peace and joy that by the power of the Holy Spirit will overflow in our hearts. And that brings us to our second point. The power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. We go back to uh, the verse for the year where he says, so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul say that the Holy Spirit is the power that we need to overflow with the hope of the gospel. Now, there's a lot of confusion about uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, we need to keep in mind that the Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not a wind to be caught, not a force field. Rather, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is one of the three persons that are in the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one Godhead. Uh, later in this year, we'll be running a series looking at uh, the person and the works of the Spirit. Uh, so I won't open that up more fully this morning. But for now, uh, know that the moment a person turns away from their rebellion, repents, accepts Jesus as their saviour, at that moment, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within them permanently. At the point the Holy Spirit comes in, we've moved from death to life. We are a new creation sealed by God and declared his child at an eternal, permanent promise. But we can have times, can't we, where we struggle to believe that what God has done on the cross is really for us. Uh, we can doubt. It, it's like there's a courtroom battle raging in our minds and in our hearts. Yeah, we have God's word telling us that we are now children of God. But the enemy comes along, doesn't he? And he says, ooh, ooh. Ooh, I can't believe that a Christian would have done dot, 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 fill in the blank for yourself. And we find ourselves thrown into confusion, don't we? And here, the Holy Spirit, he helps us. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is the advocate. It's a courtroom image. If you imagine that we're in a courtroom scene, we're in the dock. The prosecution has presented its case against us. And it's damning. All the things about how we have fallen short, how we have failed, and how we have rejected God are laid out before the judge. 
And we look at it and we know it's all true. It's all true. And the judge is about to say, guilty, but. The advocate comes in, slams his briefcase on the desk, throws it open and draws out the clinching argument and breaks the case against us. It acknowledges that all the things that we've done, we have done and we do deserve judgment. But the Holy Spirit's argument clears us of all punishment. And the argument is the cross. Jesus has paid the price. You are free. You are a child of God. Hallelujah indeed. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And in Romans 8 we're told that his desire is for Jesus. And he wants his love for Jesus to be our love for Jesus. And so to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with the love that the Holy Spirit has for Jesus, to be filled with his love for Christ, that his love for Christ would be our love for Christ, for us to desire Jesus and love Jesus in the way that the Holy Spirit does. He's working to make God's love and the hope that we have as Christians a living reality in our lives, in our hearts. How does he do that? How does he do that? The Holy Spirit wants us to look at the cross, look at the cross and see the love of God. And take the truth that God has revealed in scripture into our heart. To see the love, the mercy, the truth, the justice, the grace, the forgiveness, the law and the judgment. And more. And as Christians we do see all of these different elements, don't we? But the problem is that we naturally tend to lean more one way or the other. For some of us, our predisposition might be inclined toward love, mercy, grace, forgiveness. So we focus on that aspect of the cross. For others, it'll be more inclined toward truth, justice, law, judgment. And so our focus may be on that aspect of the cross. If those inclinations are left unchecked, the danger is that we end up pitting one side of the cross against the other. And when we do that, we rob the cross of its power. What we need is not less of one side or the other. What we need is more of both sides of the cross. As we see more of both sides of the cross, that's when we can see most powerfully the Holy Spirit being at work in our lives. Uh, What do I mean? I have an elastic band here. There is power in this band. But in order to see that power, I have to stretch it. I have to pull it in two directions. And then... There is great power in the band. And it can travel huge distances. And that's what the Holy Spirit, if you like, is doing for us. He's stretching our vision of Christ 
in two directions. He wants us to see more and more of the love, the mercy, the grace and the forgiveness and see more and more of the truth, the justice, the law and the judgment. Because that's how the power of God sets us free in our lives. Volunteers, please. Okay, so I'm going to give you some examples of verses from either side of this arbitrary uh, division. Uh, And as I do, uh, I'd like, I'll instruct you to move either right, that way or that way. Okay. So the important thing is that we have to smuggle, we have to know, we have to meditate on these truths. Okay? So at the moment, if you're, if you're relatively new to Christian things, there isn't much energy in here, is there? Okay? But you might, for instance, uh, recognize one day you open up Romans, Romans 8, 1, it says, there is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's love, mercy, grace. Take a step that way. And then you read, but you have rebelled against God. And he is right in his judgment of you because he is holy. So you take a step to the left. You are a child of God, we read in Romans 8.15. That's his love. Take a small step that way. No one is righteous, we read in Romans 3. Not one. Take a step to the left. I didn't spare my son, we're told in Romans 8.32, God saying, so that I can have you with me through all eternity. Take a step to the right as we look at his mercy and his grace. Paul says, flee youthful passions. Take a step to the left as we see actually what God says in his word really matters. How we live is important. And then we read in 8.31, Romans 8.31, God is for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? You take a step to that way. Then we read in God's word that actually marriage is between one man and one woman for life. We take a step to the left because actually God is sovereign. He's spoken. He's told us how we are to live. Then we read in Ephesians 1 that you were chosen before the foundation of the world. You take a step to the right because you know that you are loved before all things. Husbands, we read in Ephesians 5, love your wife as Christ loved the church. It matters how we live at home. Take a step to the left, please. To live is Christ. And to die is gain. The joy that we have now because we live for Christ overflows in our hearts. If you can take a step that way. (laughs) Then we read in Matthew, Jesus says, many are called, but few are chosen. Are you able to stretch a little bit that way? Because God will call only a few people. The office to everyone, but only a few will respond. And then we read in Revelation 21 that there's a new heavens and a new earth that's coming. Are you able to take a small step that way? There's an eternal hope, not just a hope for now, but there's an eternal hope coming. Yeah, that we are the bride of Christ. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to show us more and more of both sides of the cross, there'll be a strength and there will be a power in our Christian lives. And the tight band here reflects or illustrates that power. That power is born out of knowing that we have been made right with God, that we have peace. 
And there's power, that it, and it expresses itself in joy because we know that we are children of God, that we are indwelt with the Spirit and we are going to be living face to face with God through all eternity. We're children of God. That the righteousness of Christ is ours. Thank you, volunteers. You see, there's a power in our lives that means that when criticism comes, we can take it. Because God's love for me isn't dependent upon what people think. God's love for me is dependent upon what Christ did on the cross. When I'm tempted by the things of the world, the Holy Spirit reminds me that the treasure that's mine in heaven is beyond all compare. He reminds me that there is nothing on earth that is more beautiful than being the bride of Christ. When I'm tempted to behave in a way that I know displeases God, the Holy Spirit reminds me I have been bought at incredible price. Why would I choose to live away from the way that he calls me to live? And that strengthens me. When I'm tempted to follow the pattern of the world, uh, when it seems hard to obey God's word or to trust it, the Holy Spirit reminds me that the one who's called me, he's faithful, he's loving and he's trustworthy. And the cross of Christ proves it. Why would I doubt the goodness of what he says when I look at the cross? And as we allow God's truths to grow large in our heart, magnified by the work of the Holy Spirit, we will be and are filled with joy and peace because we are children of God and we have been made right with God. And the hope that we have in Christ will will just overflow in our hearts and in our lives. The power of the Holy Spirit will be manifested in our lives. And it's not to say that our lives will be easy. Absolutely not. But we will have the strength, the joy and the power to journey well toward Christ when we meet him on that final day. And maybe you're here this morning uh, as a Christian and you want to know the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to fill you with that joy and that peace. What can you do? Three things. Pray, meditate, disciple. Pray. As Christians, the Holy Spirit dwells in you and he longs for your heart to be captivated by the love of Christ for you. Ask him to be at work in your heart. Meditate on scripture, number two. The truths that you need are here. They're here. Remember that our hope has content. Just as we did today with uh, that psalm, smuggle bits of scripture into your heart. Store them. Journal them. Go back to them. Enjoy them. Delight in their truths. And as you meditate on scripture, just allow the Holy Spirit just to open those truths up that you might treasure and delight in them. Thirdly, disciple, read the Bible one-on-one with others. Delight with others over the truths in Scripture and encourage one another with what you've read and what God has been saying and doing in your life. 
And as you meditate on God's word and pray those truths hot in your heart, it will melt you. You will hear God speak to you. You will know the love of God being poured into your heart. The love of God will no longer be a distraction, an abstraction, or a confusion. But like Dwight Moody, it will be a lived experience, a reality. You will overflow with the hope of the gospel by the power of the Spirit. Now we're going to respond to all of this in three ways. Conventionally and unconventionally. Conventionally, we're going to sing to remind our heart of these truths, to allow those truths to settle deep in our hearts. Secondly, we're going to have communion. We're going to remember Christ's body broken and his blood poured out. Unconventionally. I've got some post-its here, heart-shaped post-its. And what I would long for, or hope, if you feel that you can, is to come forward as the musicians play, if that's okay, and grab a post-it. Don't, you're not writing anything on it, okay? But if God has spoken to you this morning, if the Spirit is pressing on your heart, okay, take a post-it. And just put it on the cross. Maybe you want to say... It's been a long time. It's been a long time since you've made yourself known to me. And I want that. Maybe you are just so grateful because the Lord has been a lived reality in your heart. And he is the joy and the strength that you know that you could not make it through without. And he has been with you every step and you have known that. Maybe you just want more of him. You know it, but you want more of him. And you want his help. Come to me. Speak to me. Whatever it is, can I ask you, as the musicians play, just to respond? I don't know what that's going to look like for you, but please, if you can, come. And just put a post-it on here, just to say, yes, Holy Spirit. Would you? Would you fill me with joy and peace? Would you open up your word for me that my heart might again be filled to overflowing with your love? Before the musicians play, let me just pray. Our verse for the year, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are indeed the God of love. Thank you that you have called us into a living relationship with you. Thank you that you are not far off, but that by your Spirit you dwell in us. So Father, I do pray that 
as we journey through the rest of the service, that you would speak to us by your spirit, that you would encourage us, that you would warm our hearts, that we would have the Holy Spirit's love for Christ burn in our own hearts. Be at work in us, have your way with us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.